Hey everybody, this is Gus G and you are listening to Sonic Perspectives. another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I'm Rodrigo and my guest today is a guitar player named Konstantinos Karamitrudis, but you might know him as Gus G. Gus, thank you for joining us. Hey man, it's my pleasure. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, just uh, sitting here doing a, a, a bunch of interviews for the new album and... Um, so yeah, of course we're here to promote uh, the new album Quantum Leap, your fourth solo album, right? Yeah. Give us an overview of the album, if you can. What can the fans expect of it this time? Well, I mean, this is my first all-instrumental album. So, mm. um, I mean, I've, in my previous three albums, I had, you know, collaborations with other artists and singers and different people. And, uh, I mean, there were some instrumentals here and there, but this is a full instrumental thing. And, um, I mean, it's I think it's a little bit of a departure from what I'm doing. I mean, of course, there's still the the main heavy metal element throughout the record but you know i'm flirting a little bit with some other styles as well so i'm trying out some new things um there's definitely a lot of guitar in it but i would say it's not the kind of album where it's like one long backing track and uh, endless noodling i mean there's in my opinion i think there's actual songs there you know so um right. i think yeah yeah so if you're not a guitar player do not fear uh, do not be afraid, <laughs> you know, do not be afraid to check this out. That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, and uh, what caught my attention is how varied this collection of songs uh, is. I mean, did you write every all these songs in one single effort or were they written over the course of a few years or? Well, I mean, the, the way that I write, I mean, it's, it's like I always have enough riffs laying around you know, I have a folder in my computer where I just have ideas. I stash ideas, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I usually revisit them a few months later, sometimes even years later. Um, and um, and then if I like something, I, you know, develop it or, you know, I kind of reapproach it. And usually that's like the starting point for me. And that sparks the ideas to um, that sparks new ideas, basically. And um, so it's a combination of older ideas and then. Some songs I wrote from scratch again. So, yeah, it's a combination, I guess. Right. And you mentioned a different approach this time and different avenues that you're taking. My favorite song of the album is called Night Driver, which has like an 80s vibe with the 80s drum samples, right? It reminded wow. me a bit of the soundtracks of the 80s movies. You know, everybody that I've talked to today tells me the same thing. Like, they love <laughs> Night Driver. And it yeah. reminds him some soundtrack from some slasher film from the 80s. And <laughs> yeah, Ryan De Palma Maybe. movie kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should do a video for that, I guess. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting with that song because, you know, I had a different version of that originally, which was like a, you know, like a typical rock band thing, you know, bass drums and guitars and all that. Mm. But then I took it to my buddy at uh, Valve Studio, my buddy Strutter, who play some keyboards on the record, but he's also played ba bass for me um, in my some of my previous tours. And 
he's like, I said to him, well, I'm kind of stuck with this idea. What do you think? And he said, let's try a different version. And um, he basically just put out a synth bass sound, a slower thing, and like a, you know, like a drum machine sound, like very simple. And I started readapting my exist, like the existing melody and riff that I had over that. And I think it kind of developed from there. And um, I just made, you know, we made a, we finished a backing track and then I took it home and then I just developed a guitar track over it, trying to make it interesting, you know, and um, <laughs> we, because this is a different thing, you know, it's not like a, your typical rock song. It's not even, you know, a rock song. It's, it's like a synth wave thing. So, um, yeah. 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 So I think. I don't know. It's it came out different for sure, and uh, maybe that's why it's catching people's attention. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but let me ask you about the first track, "Into the Unknown." Uh, am I right in saying there's a bit of a Joe Satriani influence in there, or not? I think there's a Joe Satriani influence all over the record. You know, uh, on that <laughs> song, and also um, you know, Chronostasia, and I mean, you know, I'm using like all this modal kind of stuff that was popularized by Satriani and Steve Vai, yeah. like. You know the the, the so-called Lydian and Mixolydian modes for those that are understands and understanding scales and terminology. Um, but yeah, like those kind of sounds that were, you know, very much introduced in in rock and and like shred, you know, and from Satriani. So it is it is a, a song that's you know definitely a page out of Satriani's book and Steve Vai's yeah. book. Yeah, absolutely. Not a bad influence to have. Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, you know, to me, Satriani is king of instrumental rock music because that guy can make anything, turn anything. Like, you don't, when you hear Joe Satriani, you definitely don't miss vocals, you know, like he can make the guitar sing. So, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And for the power metal fans, uh, you have tracks like Demon Stump and Judgment Day, which could easily be Firewind songs if they had vocals, right? Sure, yeah, and Fierce as well. Actually, yeah, this, the riff of Fierce, I thought it was going to be originally like a Firewind idea. Oh. And then I, and then I kind of like sort of developed it, uh, and I was like, well, maybe I should try to, to, to make this an instrumental instead of giving it to Firewind, because I can make other stuff like that for Firewind, but let's see, you know, <laughs> let's, let's try and make like, let's, let's see where this leads if I, if, I, um, if I turn this into an instrumental and um, add melodies and all that stuff, so... Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, I guess it's kind of natural because I write most of the stuff in Firewind. So it, mm -hmm. it, it, at times it's, uh, it does sound like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I like how there's some breathing space on Enigma of Life, for example, where you explore the blues, uh, scales, right? Yeah, man. I mean, that was like one of the easiest songs to write in the sense that <laughs> it came to me right away. I was just strumming on my acoustic guitar and, it was just there, you know, I just played the chords and then I laid it down on my on my computer and then I just, the first melody that came out was what I played, what you hear. Mm -hmm. So the main thing for that song, and I realized that it's, it's a kind of song that it doesn't need to have shredding and stuff, you know, it's more like a mel melancholic kind of feeling. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I think the most, like the, the toughest part was to play kind of like the, the right notes to, to complete all those little spaces here and there and make it like an interesting having have it you know make it have an interesting flow without busting people's balls of course you know <laughs> right yeah was there was there any thought put into like the sequency of the songs or you just you know put them down as you recorded and then you place the order in the album or what was the thought you process mean, you, there 
you're talking about the final track list? Yeah, in terms of the order of the songs. Um, yeah, usually whenever I think of that is, um, I, I, I think, I do think about the final track list and I always think of whenever I make the final track list is, you know, I'm thinking of the flow. Yeah. So I'm thinking of, you know, what's the mood swings throughout the songs? What's the key changes? What's the tempo changes, you know? Mm. So I want to I want to spread it out evenly, but I want this, the the album to have like a, a nice flow throughout. You know, whoever is listening from, you know, from start to finish. It's not like yeah. you're listening to the first five songs and they're metal, and then the last five songs are ballads. You know, you have to kind of <laughs> spread it out. You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you, have to, you have to kind of build an atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, exosphere is also one of my favorites, and I believe you said this track had a lot more e elements to it than its final form, right? Did you like that, shed a little bit of the? Of yeah, the original? I mean that, yeah. that that was the, the the hardest song to write, or one of the hardest songs because I I had so many parts, and it was like one of those situations where I fell into the loop of just overdoing it, and I just kept adding and adding and adding things, and it wasn't really going anywhere. So in the end, I totally stripped it down and rewrote the song. And added the, the the chorus, the melody. That was the the final thing that I wrote, which is funny. Usually you have like a verse and a chorus, but I wrote all the other parts first, all the technical parts, all the little bits here and there. Right. And then I added a final chorus, and I was like, well, that's what the song needed, like the that main hook. And then mm -hmm. it was easier to kind of go from there. And uh, of course, you have Dennis Ward who mixed and mastered the album and played bass, and Will Hunt on drums. Did they Not contribute? Will Hunt. Huh? No, no, Will Hunt played on the last album. Uh, there's a guy called Vincent Velasco that plays drums on this one. Oh, okay. Right, my bad. Uh, but did they no contribute problem. in any way on the writing of the songs this time or not? No, no, I wrote everything basically. And, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I just, uh, I mean, Vincent just basically replayed all the drum parts that I had programmed. You know, he added a little bit of his own thing. But, yeah, I, I wrote all the parts and arrangements and stuff. And, uh, you know, with Dennis, you know, I had even recorded the bass and everything. And I, but I just said to him, you know, I asked him if he wanted to mix it. And I said, well, you know, you're a, ba you're a, ba you're a better bass player than I am. So, you know, if you want to <laughs> add your own little flavor to this, you know, go ahead. And, and yeah, and I think he played on most of the songs. All right. And uh, maybe I received the special edition, but the material I received had a second disc with some live songs. Is this part of yeah. a special release or? It's part of the CD release only, as far as I know. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the live, uh, on the sorry, in the digital release, but on the on the I think on the CD release, we are doing that. Um, it's uh, my idea was because we recorded this show in Budapest three years ago mm. on the Fearless tour, and we had mixed and mastered it, and it was just sitting there. We put out a digital EP called Live in Budapest Part One, and then like there was not a the you know Part Two never came out. Right. <laughs> so. So, so we had this ready and I said, you know, well, you know, releasing a live album these days, it's maybe doesn't make much sense, you know, for a record label, unless you're like a huge artist, you know, you know, you're going to sell X amount. So, yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, why not give the fans value for money and just, uh, you know, do a, so it was my idea to have like a, a two CD package, you know, so uh, for the CD at least. So, uh, you know, you get... The, the studio album and then you get like a live album as well so we put like seven tracks uh there that uh you know most of the tracks that actually belong to afm plus a couple of covers because my older catalog is with century media oh uh, okay yeah, yeah so, so because we have actually the full set you know we have the full album mixed and mastered full live album which includes all my back catalog as well but 
you know, I think for legal reasons, it, we, we kept it to um, the stuff that is owned by AFM. Fair enough. But there's some great covers in there, you know, Money for Nothing, Thrill of the Chase, right? <laughs> Cold Sweat. Yeah. From Thin Lizzy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love those versions, man. And uh, it, is it my impression? I don't know. I've never seen you guys live, but do you take like center stage when you're at your solo shows? Because I, I hear you communicating with the crowd a lot in that album, right? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you know, since we are a trio with Dennis, at least, uh, you know, we have our sides and but I'm, I'm mainly kind of like, yeah, I, uh, mm. I, I stay on the side on stage left, I think, but, uh, but I'm on the, in the middle of the stage a lot and, um, and I do backing vocals and I talk in between the songs and um, yeah, so. Right, right. Yeah. Makes sense. Almost and like the... a frontman, almost like a frontman without, but without singing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so recording an album like this, uh, would you say it's an easier process than a Firewind album? How would the two experiences compare for you? Well, it's totally different to make an instrumental album, you know? Um, yeah. So uh, it, it was a little bit tougher because I'd never, I'd never done it before. So it was, uh, it was something that I've thought about for years, but I never really had the time to do it. And... Uh, or really have enough time to to dig into it and see how it's how I can do a full instrumental record. Um, so I wouldn't say it was more difficult. It was a new thing for me. So uh, now I, now that I've done it, I, I, I you know I got the hang of it. So mm. I think it'll be easier to make an instrumental album next time if I decide to do that. Right. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Firewind, you released the self-titled album in 2020, but obviously there was barely a chance to promote it. Uh, what are you guys considering now? Uh, is the next move is going to be a tour or a new album, or what's the status there? Well, we're, we've announced the 20th anniversary tour next year in Europe, mm -hmm. um, because next year is a, you know, 20 years since the debut album came out, so... What I want to do is I want to put out uh, a vinyl ratio of the first album because it never came out on vinyl. And, um, you know, do like a remaster with some bonus tracks and cool stuff like that. And um, Right. And then we're going to go on, we're going to attempt to go on tour at least. You know, I don't know if it'll yeah. be possible, but we've booked a bunch of gigs in Europe. And um, let's see, you know, let's hope it happens. Yeah. I mean, I had tickets for Megadeth and Dream Theater here in Toronto. I'm in Canada, by the way. But yeah. both these shows just got canceled, and they were like, Megadeth was this week, and Dream Theater was in November. So everything is, for this year at least, is still being canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's see, let's see. I mean, we we're supposed yeah. to start next March. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can do it. You know, I yeah. don't think we're gonna try to do something overseas yet. You know, we're just gonna try and stick to your, you know, European territories and see if that works and if we can play. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, I had tickets to see Firewind, Primal Fear, and, Sy and Symphony X here in Toronto. Uh, yeah, is there any kind of talk about this tour actually happening again, or? No, I mean, there, there was a little bit of, you know, actually there was talk at some point, you know, with management and all that, but, I mean, you know, the tour was rescheduled and then once again, and it was canceled after that. And um, yeah. and by now, it doesn't really make sense to, to put it together, at least with, with, you know, for us, you know, it doesn't make any sense because mm -hmm. we don't have a new album and, uh, you know, doing it like an opening slot without like a new product to promote, it makes no sense for us, you know, so we'd rather do yeah. our own tours. And um, so, yeah, that, that opportunity, unfortunately, 
is, is gone by now. But maybe we can do something with Symphony X in the future. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. And uh, if I can ask you one thing about working with Ozzy for a few years, uh, what would you say was the biggest lesson you learned by being in his band? Oh, man. I mean, so many things that I learned there, you know, just <laughs> being, you know, seeing how the big, big bands operate, how they do it, you know, and um, just, you know, becoming more pro in like so many areas, you know, from the performance, um, you know, just the, the day to day, how every, how everything operates, you know, um, yeah, it just made me also a much better guitar player and um yeah, it helped me a lot, you know, with my uh, with my um, confidence too, you know. Um, right. Step stepping up to the role, and uh, I mean, anyone who joined Ozzy was and always will be measured against Randy Rhodes and Zach Wild. Um, how did you deal with that kind of criticism or that comparison? Well, it's inevitable, you know. Like you say, you're you're, you're stepping into very big shoes there. Um, I just tried yeah. to 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 do justice to the to the back catalog. And, uh, you know, give a little bit of my own flair to it as much as that was possible. So, you know, they're, I mean, they are they and, you know, I was just, and, 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 and I'm Gus, you know, so I cannot be, you know, <laughs> yeah. Zach or Randy or anybody, really. I can only yeah. be myself. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, th I think, uh, I, you know, I, I approached it, and I've said that many times. I approached that gig with, you know, utmost respect to, to mm -hmm. these guys, you know, because I'm a fan of them. I think in heavy metal, at least, it, it, you know, there is that kind of a hierarchy. So, you know, right away when you go into this gig, you're like the last guy down on the list <laughs> because that's how it is. You know, like Randy was the guy that was there first and created that kind of sound. And, you know, then it was yeah. Jake and then it was like Zach and whoever else. And, and, you know, at that time that I was there, you know, I was kind of like carrying that torch, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just like a huge honor, of course, responsibility, but huge honor. Um, and, and at the same time, a, a, a great gift, you know, a great platform. So, yeah, so, so it exposed me to, to so many more people. It was it was a great time of my life for sure. Right. Awesome. And uh, one record that came out a few years ago that you collaborated with, if I can ask you, is Triumphant Hearts from Jason Becker. I think you played on one song. Uh, can you yeah. tell me what, what it was like to work on that album and have you had contact with Jason at all? Yeah, I did. I met Jason a couple of times, you know, I've been to his house, uh, and, um, you know, we hung out and with his family and, uh, you know, he emailed me years oh. ago, you know, he was working on this album for a while Okay. and, um, he emailed me and he said, Hey man, would you like to play on this? Of course, man. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> Uh, eventually, you know, I didn't hear from him for a while, and then he had some producer who was kind of like taking care of all the files, and they were putting this big track with many guitar players on there, and they sent me like a backing track and said, yeah, just do whatever, you know, even try and record like electric and acoustic, and just, you know, send us a couple of solos, and we'll see how we fit them, and um, funnily enough, they used my acoustic solo, because I think everybody else played electric. Oh. <laughs> So they used just my acoustic part, and um, and I'm not an acoustic guitarist, and and I think they edited the hell out of it. But you know, oh. I think it was uh, the guy that was that was doing this was you know he was ch editing a lot of things, and uh, but you know it, it was it was an honor to be on a, on a record you know with Jason. So um, I'm I'm really happy that he he asked me to be a part of it. Yeah, and it's, awesome. a, it's a great record actually.
Yeah, it is. I mean, we're we're big fans of that album here at Sonic Perspectives. Uh, all of us, cool. you know, just absolutely love that album. But uh, yeah. And uh, moving on, I, I subscribed to your YouTube channel and I noticed you recently play, played your first show in almost two years with uh, Dino Jelosic, Ronnie Romero and John Norum. How did that go? Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, um, it's, uh, I mean, you know, it kind of reminded me why I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forgot what I, why I was doing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was a great experience, you know, to get together with these guys. They're all lovely people, and um, you know, just to do this jam. I mean, I, I'm not—I must admit, I was a bit rusty, but you know, mm. after a year and a half, who yeah, isn't, I, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but 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 it was fun. You know, it was a good vibe overall, and it was just great to to get back on stage and play. And you know, John Norum is also one of my favorite guitarists. So just you know, to meet John and jam with him, it was also a great moment. And we had, yeah, we had a lot of laughs and, and great jams and all that. So I wish more of those type of gatherings were happening, actually. Yeah, soon enough, soon enough, I hope. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, in the video, you mentioned something I didn't know. Uh, apparently, you have an album already recorded with Dino that's waiting to be released. Can you tell us a little bit about that or is it still um, like... Well, I'm not allowed to say a lot about a, a lot of things about it because it's not our album. We were both hired for uh, you know by another artist to, to um, oh, to, so we both appear. We are we are appearing on someone else's album. Uh, that's why I, I cannot. That's why I cannot talk about it until you know they they make announcements or whatever that happens. And I mean that happened like two years ago or three years ago. Wow. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's happening, you know, and I, I cannot say which artist it is for, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, I did my guitar parts and Dino did his vocals and, you know, it's, it's, it's a great album actually. I hope it sees the light of day someday, but we'll see, you know, um, yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed yeah. because Dino is also one of my favorite vocalists. I interviewed him not too long ago, so I'm a fan and a friend. So <laughs> he's, we'll uh, yeah. yeah, he's really great. And, you know, he's uh, he's got a lot of stuff on his plate right now, too, you know. So uh, he just joined Whitesnake, so he's going to yeah. be doing that, the farewell yeah. tour. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about doing more stuff, but, you know, it's a matter of timing. Timing is everything now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last question for me, Gus. Uh, you mentioned the tour from Firewind that's tentatively scheduled for next March. What else is there in terms of live dates, or are you gonna do a solo run to promote this album or not? I'm doing a signing tour in Greece. I'm doing like an in-store thing starting okay. next week, and um, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I, I'm not sure. Look, I'm, I didn't really do this album to do like a, to go on a world tour. I mean, mm. I just I did this album to, you know, keep help busy. Me. <laughs> yeah, help me get through the lockdown really uh, because right. I was going crazy, but. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be playing any shows for this. Uh, I was thinking of actually doing some live stream stuff instead with, with, uh, you know, with a couple of friends here locally, uh, play some of the new songs and maybe stream it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. That's an idea that we're kind of discussing right now. Um, but as for actual shows, I'm not sure if I'm going to be booking too many things. Um, maybe something locally. We'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, it's still early days to, to decide um because everything's changing every couple of weeks you know so yeah, so yeah. I, I i'm not so keen on on booking a bunch of shows and then like getting everything canceled so um 
so for now, I'm just I'm just hoping that people can enjoy the music. Uh, I have filmed a bunch of videos for the album. There's more videos coming. I can tell you. That. Oh, okay. So there's more video clips coming out and playthroughs and stuff like that. And like I said, hopefully maybe some live stream show. Awesome. I look forward to that. And uh, I'll keep watching your YouTube channel to find out the latest news. <laughs> cool, man. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Gus, thank you so much for your time and all the best with the new album, Quantum Leap. Thanks, Rodrigo. Have a good one, man. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this interview with Gus G. The interview is available on many different platforms. YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Also, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's wrap it up with a song fierce from Gus G's new album, Quantum Leap. Take care and rock on! Mm-hmm.